Gaming and BS, episode 277, coming to you Tuesday, January 19th, 2020. Welcome to Gaming and BS, a tabletop RPG podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show, folks. Welcome back. Do you have any announcements? I got nothing. I do not think... Oh, no. No? No? Okay. No. Well, hell with it then. Let's go right on Random Encounter, dude. Yeah, Random Encounter. Let's just do it. Let's just move All right. on. Move on, move past, move through. Random Encounter... All uh, right, where we field emails, voicemails, comments from social media. I'll start. All right. Cool. Harrigan wrote in to clear up his opinion on GM intrusions in the Cypher system. All right, just to set something straight, my, quote, GM intrusions handcuffed the GM, unquote, comment was just meant to illustrate the point that some GMs, me included, intrude all the time without using a metagame mechanic to facilitate it. I don't feel like I'm doing my job unless I'm complicating the PC's lives, ideally based off things in their backgrounds, their flaws, their desires. I probably, I'm probably the odd duck out on this because I don't like XP systems generally. For level slash class systems, I like Shadow of the Demon Lord or Black Hack style of leveling the whole group when the time is right using milestones. Since GM intrusions from Numenera are tied to XP rewards, that might be why I wrinkled my nose when I first read about them. Anyway, sally forth. Oh, and Sean, regarding that crazy, insanely complex undead minotaur teleporter trapladen labyrinth stuff you're talking about? Yeah, just don't run scenes like that. Life's too short. There are usually ways to kill Jeff's PC. Have them fight Cthulhu, who simply kills 1d3 PCs each round. Done! Harrigan. I like everything he said there. Every, I mean, the whole the whole comment. That's just all, that's all gold. In my book. Sean, you disagreeing about something? I like encounters like that one, though. You do? Even though you don't know how to run them because it's too difficult for you? I don't think it's... <laughs> I don't think it's... So my point no, from not. the last episode... I'm giving you shit. ...isn't because I don't know how to run them. It's because I think a new game master that enters the game who reads a pre-published adventure reads it and maybe, where do I start? Yeah, no, no, no. I, how I, do I, I get, organize this yeah. thing? I don't. I had I no problem point. running that man. None. No, I get your point, and I believe you. Honestly, I do. I've played with you long enough, often enough. I think you're right, and uh, that is a good point. Some of that stuff. I think we tried to discuss that a little bit last time, and perhaps slipped up. But yeah, when you're if you're new and you pick that up for the first time, you read that and you go, "What? W T? What now?" Yeah, I get that. But I do like the um, what Harrigan states about GM intrusions. Yeah, I do that very similarly myself. Um, having a metagame mechanic to facilitate it. That's part of my issue, if you will, they have with other game systems that have mechanics that facilitate certain activities like that because I just prefer to do it natively or not natively, naturally or just do it myself type of thing. Yeah. But I do understand where some folks really like that and it's not like you're getting permission, but sometimes you're like, hey, it really helps me have this tool in there because my group and I operate best with this mechanic, this tool, this um, operating mechanism that lets us go click, 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 and that's just how it works. So, you know, teach their own. And I think that's exactly what Harrigan's saying. So, pretty cool. Cool. Anything else on that one, Ben? No. Let's shift out what you got. All right. So I went on the forums and I found this thread that I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And it was by a Savage World GM. Who could that be? That's their that's their handle. That's awesome. So I'll have a link in the uh, show notes to this thread. But um, he put down, um, oh, what are your favorite one-line recommendations you've made to new game masters. <laughs> uh, and I'll start with his because these will be quick to rattle off. Cool. I, he said, I like this well-worn favorite quote. GM is in the problem department. Players are in the solution department. End quote. That's a good one. Yeah. We create problems. Players create solutions. Yeah. I like yeah. it. Go ahead, Brett. 
Oh, Ray Otis said, one of my g- kids' gym friends asked the group, on a scale of one to Satan, how mean do you want me to be? I thought this was great. Not advice per se, but a great question to ask your group. I like that. That's a yeah. good, that's, that's good stuff. What else? Laramie Wall. Don't get caught up with rules or specifics. It's just a game. Might get me assaulted in some crowds, but there it is. Eh, not bad. Yeah. Blake Ryan said from the Cyberpunk 2020 guide, listen up, you primitive screwheads. Killing them is easy. Don't do that. Blow up their car, kidnap their friends, burn down their house, nail their cat to the door. Do anything to challenge them, but keep them in the story. I've done that, and that gave me a shit ton of fun. It's a good way to go. Uh, Alevins. Alevins? First commandment, don't be a dick. That's words. That's wise wisdom. Yeah. Old yeah. school DM says the rule of cool. If it's cool, it has a chance. Joe Swick, if you don't use your inspiration, I can't give you more. <laughs> Ooh, I like Fair. that. Great author, biggest advice I can give, have fun because fun is contagious. You set the mood for your table. That That's good stuff. Hmm. Orcus Dorcus, rule of cool is fine. Saying yes is great, but also you know how to say no when you adjudicate. <laughs> All right. Mr. Takahashi says, rulings over rules don't let small stuff keep you from moving the game on. Jim, run your game like Willy Wonka runs a factory tour. Show them a world of pure imagination and let them own the consequences of their action, of their actions there. Nice. Peter says, make their decisions have great effect. I like it. Beholder's Horde? DMs don't kill player characters. Players kill player characters. I always get some of those words mixed up or missing. Yeah. Spook 408. Remember, it's about people and not the game. Very humanitarian. It is. It's true. True. Dave Wynn, my advice is quite, uh, my best advice is quite similar. It's not fun. If it's not fun, why bother? Reggie Phil, I may. Hey, may. Sugarloaf says, some, all, players just want to see the world burn. <laughs> yeah, I got to. I had a pack of those guys. Still do. Silverbolt. Best advice I could give a game master. Fake it until you can make it. In Savage Worlds, my group once ran into a character running a general store. At the time, you could draw a card for a random score to the person. One of my friends decided to try and intimidate this general store NPC. He ended up being one bad store owner through random luck. The store owner ended up putting a Bob Barker-style beatdown on my friend and left us crack- <laughs> cackling for hours. That's awesome. I didn't realize Bob Barker was uh, known for savage yeah, if, beatdowns. If it's in, um, shit, what's that uh, Adam Sandler movie where he's a golfer? <laughs> yeah. That's it. Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore. He beats the shit out of <laughs> Adam right. Sandler. That's where it's from. It wasn't my DM's idea to have a roadblock, but he ran with it, and it was a great story. So if random things come up, just go with it. That's damn good advice. Yeah. Joshua220, at the end of a session, ask players what they liked and didn't like. Reward cool and creative moments. Goddamn. So we're going to end the podcast now. We're just going to refer everybody to the forums. Yeah. <laughs> y'all got the wisdom. You don't need us. <laughs> so if you're a new game master or you're worried about running a game, here you go. Yeah. I, one of the things... We've talked about this a little bit on and off the mics. And sometimes when you hear somebody like Josh220, Silverbowl, Sugarloaf, all those, all these folks saying things like, huh, I do that. Yeah, that's similar to what I do. And I catch myself saying it often. Someone will write something. Oh, I do something like that. Oh, I do something like that. It is a wonderful affirmation, confirmation that you're doing something right. Because oftentimes we as game masters, even players, you'll, you'll sit around looking at something like, oh, man, am I doing this right? Can I do this better? Is this a good way to go? And uh, when you hear or see somebody saying, oh, yeah, I totally do that same thing that you're doing. That's pretty cool. So good stuff, folks. Thank you all. That's really neat. Yeah, I thought some new game masters might find that appealing. Absolutely. Good all stuff, right. man. Let's get into the main topic. Mm-hmm. 
All right, Brett. You ready? I'm ready. All right, so Amazing Alex and Peter in the forums hit us with this one. Could I start with Peter? She said, possibly everybody in this forum is back to gaming or RPG product and Kickstarter. What to talk about on the show about that? What products are available for gaming? Pros and cons, personal reviews, the experience of getting a product funded on Kickstarter. Amazing Alex expanded that. I'd like to know how you decide whether or not you back a product. Do you back supplements for existing systems or would you back new rule systems? Do you need to have experience with a publisher to back the product? How do you determine if the supplement or existing system is fair or, over, or overpowered? So, Sean, you and I have, this is one of those things I think we've talked about off and on periodically. So, it, it's interesting. So, when you look at an RPG Kickstarter, you're like, huh, I'm going to back that. I got to say, when I look at them, I often say, do I know this person? Right. So when our when our buddy's doing, you know, his wonderful cowboys and Cthulhu, you know, when, when he's pulling that out, I'm like, I know him. I know that guy. We know where he lives. I know where he lives. I'm going to see him at Gary Con. If he yeah. fucks if he fucks me over, I'm going to kneecap that fireman. No, yeah. I wouldn't do that. I would never do that. But <laughs> <laughs> he's a nasty wrestler. Anyway, point is, it, I would say that. What I know about the Kickstarter, the person running it, actually has a bigger effect on me than I probably would have cared to admit until I started thinking about this topic for today. I think it does. I've met Jeff Delanian. I've talked to him about Astonishing Swordsman Sorcerer Hyperborea. I've talked to friends of mine who really like it. And after I got a hold of a copy of it, I went, wow, this is really cool. I started backing his Kickstarters because I wanted more product and I wanted to support this person that I liked, um, that I knew friends of mine who I respected their opinions also also liked. I wanted to have something to talk to those people about, and I want to run this game system. But I would say that knowing the person doing it can be a big deal. At least it can be for me. Does that impact you at all, Sean? When you look at a Kickstarter, you say, hey, I know that that dude, that lady, that person. What well, I heck? mean, it's you the know? only reason I backed your shit, Brett. Oh man! <laughs> right, now, right, right to the heart. I was trying to get around that one. No, yeah, no. Thanks, I'm thanks. kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, and I mean, by the way, I should I should have said Dave Beatty because it's Dave Beatty from the from the uh, Dark Trail stuff. I should have yeah. said Dave's name right out of the gate. Now, yes, it it does play a role, of course, because part of me is like uh, I want to support somebody I know because mm-hmm. I think they're working hard on it and they're going to put something out. Um, I could think of times where somebody might, I might know them and they might be doing a Kickstarter and I may say, I'm not going to back that because, you know, one, they're probably doing a Kickstarter that doesn't interest me or I don't know, maybe they're, maybe my thoughts of them executing on it probably is slim to none. Hey, I've got buddies of mine that I love. They're great friends, and right. I would never hire them to work for me. Oh, right. Dude, I do recruiting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I I will say, too, and then we'll get a little more meaty here, I, I do have friends of mine, I think friend of yours as well, actually, that was running Kickstarter, and I'm like, I'm not interested in the product. Love them. Great, great people. The product just didn't really, didn't really sing to me. So I'm like, right. hey, <sighs> not going to do it. I have backed Kickstarters like that without asking for the product, which is an option, by the way. Most Kickstarters will have a, hey, just kick in a buck. You can get updates, which isn't bad either because you could always up it later if you're yeah, if, yeah, waiting if the, uh, if the, for it to the, fund. Yeah. yeah, and if the passion hits you, like, you know what? I'm $50 in. I'm 100 in. I'm 25 in or whatever it is. Yeah. So let's take our friends out for a second. People we know, like like me, Beatty, other people we know, Delaney and whatnot. When you're looking at a Kickstarter for an RPG, are there certain things you're like, ah, it needs to have a good video. It needs to be a game system I like. It needs to be new. Do you have a checklist in your head or do you, is every one of them just like, huh, I'll check that out. Meh. It kind of just the whim and how much whiskey you've had that day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How do, you, how do you approach them when you look at them? I, uh, I don't think I have a conscious checklist, but I have come across Kickstarters and I'll watch their video and go, holy cow, this video is done really well. They spent a dollar. One example was the mothership 
adventure, the Mega okay. Dungeon, which it, the name escapes me. But when I but watched the, the that, video, like, the video snagged you, though. The video, yeah, it, it definitely hooked me. So I don't know if it's necessarily the outline or the summary or the video itself, but I think if it's all done well, um, this is the thing about Kickstarters that I look at in general and not putting my finger on a single thing, but it's like going to an interview mm-hmm. and dressing well. If I show up in my pajamas and a tank top. Cargo shorts, flip-flops, T-shirt. I've had that happen. Oh, God. Um, yeah. But the reason, and even people that I consult with and give them advice, you know, candidates I'm representing or I'm not representing, mm-hmm. they'll ask me, they'll say, hey, I'm going to an interview. How should I dress? And I said, you know, it's not, and I know a lot of people don't like, uh, the males don't like to don the tie and suit, but- mm-hmm. The thing that it does, so getting back to Kickstarter, the vi- good video, the maybe a team that's involved, because uh, J- uh, Brett had the encoded design guys. Yeah, they did a great job. And, a little, little uh, kind of stop motion video thing right. going. It was pretty cool. But having that and doing it well tells you the seriousness of how they're taking their Kickstarter and their product. Mm-hmm. So I think if you go in there half-ass, half-stepping, which I've seen some Kickstarters and I've contributed because I know the person and I uh-huh. hope that they do well, but I doubt I'd chip them 50 bucks, uh, you know, or maybe I do it after the fact, like the product comes out, then I buy it. Gotcha. But, you know, I, I don't want some guy like me on there going, hey, I need some money. So we're going to do this thing. I'm going to offer a couple levels. I'm going to write my name on a sticky note for for a reward. Yeah, a quality um, quality video presentation. Sometimes it's just like the author talking. Yeah. And they're going, look, here's the deal. I mean, Matt Coville, for what he does, is he's a YouTube presence, so he does it basically a YouTube video. Here's my Kickstarter. He's got a format and a formula that works. If you follow Matt, that makes sense. It's a great way for him to present his product. And one of the things that happens in it is it very clearly – tells you what you're going to get and what their plan is at the highest level. When I say highest level is you read in the details and say, hey, there's more details below. So you parse through all the details below. I um, The other thing I have found, honestly, with Kickstarter is I do not troll Kickstarter. I, I troll it. I shouldn't say troll it. I should say I do not watch or sort through Kickstarters regularly to say, oh, what new thing is out there? I've never searched Kickstarter for something besides exactly what I'm looking for. And by that, I mean, a listener of this show, one of my close personal friends, and that's it. One of those groups of people tells us, or Brett, hey, this seems like it'd be up your alley. Dave Beatty's a buddy of mine. It's a buddy of Sean's. Hey, check this thing out. It's really cool. He was telling me about his Kickstarter coming and showing me video clips and stuff. I was ramped up for that before he even got there. But otherwise, the listeners of this show and you, Sean, and my other friends, but hey, have you seen this Kickstarter? And almost everyone I've talked to it's been like a curated check out this Kickstarter experience by the time it gets to Brett. <laughs> because whoever told my friend who told me told them because they thought they would like it. And they and I have similar enough tastes that like, hey, I think you would like this as well. And that's helped me a great deal from a quality perspective where I'm looking at things to get my attention to look at the Kickstarter. Well, there's there's a huge social aspect to Kickstarter. Gigantic. Yep. Yeah. Um, and it does a really good job of proliferating the buzz like yes hey you just back this tell all your friends and at the end of when you back there's three different methods facebook twitter there's probably another one in there and you kick it out there and people watching your twitter stream are like hey i backed this people put it on they'll spread the word yep even outside of that they'll they'll do it manually and say hey i know this guy go and check it out and support him or her. Um, but I'll off. tell you, once I get on it, I look at the video and then I start looking at the cost. I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. What's the what's the hundred dollar mark look like? Because oftentimes I'm like, okay, <laughs> if it's really something I'm invested in, would I spend a hundred dollars on this? Ah, eh, boy, that's eh, maybe it's twenty five. Ah, eh, maybe it's five. Ah, eh. but I, I go down to a hundred dollar mark, kind of the higher end of it, to see how audacious they're getting, how how brave do they think they are. 
And sometimes when I, I look through the, I don't even read through all the different individual rewards, the, the different levels. And you'll read through some of them like, wow, these levels look stupid as shit. It's like, you know, for 50 bucks, you get a PDF and a bookmarker. Huh. And for $100, you get a PDF, one copy of the book, and two bookmarkers. Really? Right? Or you get these weird-ass levels where it's like, so-and-so will draw your character. and and um, But there's like a thousand. I look through that stuff to see what if it's reasonable. Hmm. And what I'm doing is I do a first blush. Say, does that seem reasonable to me? And I go, huh, that seems pretty audacious. There's a lot of shit going on here. <laughs> then, I'll, then I remind myself, huh, this is a Monty Cook Kickstarter. He has a lot of resources at his disposal to make all this shit happen. Interesting. Cool. I look back through it. Okay, yeah, he's got a team. He's got all this stuff. They start reading through the details. Like, okay, okay, okay. Cool, cool, cool. If it's somebody like a Monty Cook or a John Wick, or even Encoded Designs has done a, uh, a handful of them now. But some people have done tons of them. Jeff Planian, The Astonishing Swordsman. A number of them. Successful. Oh. Then I say, okay, what does successful mean? We've talked about this. They start looking at their history. Like, when do they deliver? Oh, it's two months late. Well, that's not bad. You know, shit happens. I, I run projects my whole professional career. Yeah, that's possible. Three years late. Five years late. Still not delivered. A year late. Anything past six months to me, I start getting sketchy. I'm like, huh, do I really want to give this group or this group of people my money? Because their history indicates that I'm going to be waiting six months to a year past what they're telling me before I get my product. Because I've had that happen a couple of times. And the delay from, I'm anticipating a thing. I know it's not necessarily going to hit on exactly the same month that they tell me, but I'm anticipating it in August. And if it doesn't show up until the next August, I have a bad taste in my mouth now. And I dislike the product before it even gets to my door because I'm mad. I'm disappointed. And it feels like it, the project was mismanaged when you miss it by a year. And I've had a couple of those. So I start looking very, very specifically at how success, what, what, how are these people measuring success how audacious is what they're trying to do? And by the way, do they have anything done yet? We did the Streets of Avalon, and uh, you know, one of the things when Beatty and I were talking about Dark Trails, I'm like, "You have most of your manuscript done, right? Yeah, that's great. Tell people that shit up front. I need art. I need layout. I need this type of thing. We'll create some new stuff, but a lot of the heavy lifting is done. I know Kickstarter can be used to fund Brett and Sean's idea." to try to create a 3D printing model for D20s. Okay, you can do that, but you better be upfront. You've got to be upfront. If the Kickstarter says, hey, look, I'm going to use the money for a year to develop the game, and then after a year, I'll publish the game. If that's what it literally says, I know when I sign up for that, that's what I'm signing up for. But sometimes that shit seems to be obfuscated. It seems to be a little hidden. And after being bit by a few, I start reading through stuff I'm like, this is unclear. If if that doesn't turn me off, I'll contact the creator and say, hey, is this what you're saying? Sometimes they don't bother to respond. Sometimes they say, well, actually, kind of, sort of. I'm like, okay, I'm done. If they're very direct with me, I'm like, oh, cool, thank you. My advice to you would be to update something. To say that very specifically, directly. So... I don't necessarily care if it's a new rule system, a supplement to an existing game I have. If it looks interesting to me, it's within the dark, ready fantasy realm. It's, you know, Constantine, Hellboy level street magic, that type of shit. And all the other crap I talk about on the show is cool to me. But I'm getting down now where I'm like, I don't want to give a company or a person my money unless I'm pretty sure that they're actually going to deliver the thing and that they've got proof that the stuff that they say they have done is already done. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, that makes sense. There was, I don't know if it was Monty Cook or somebody, somebody in the industry, and uh, a, a decent, well-known writer, designer. There was somebody that came out with a Kickstarter, and they didn't, they poo-pooed it because that person never kickstarted or contributed to any other Kickstarter. Huh. 
I don't remember. God, I really wish I remember what it was. But so be, that would be like you know. Oh, I'm not gonna back Brett because he's never he's never backed, backed a Kickstarter. One yeah, or run one before. Yeah, and it, I don't. I think it was just being a good citizen, and the person didn't like that the the fact that they weren't doing the. Hmm. I don't. Wouldn't say reciprocating because. Well, there is it's a not, there is but... a thing where people like I want to. I've seen this where if you don't back Kickstarters, I won't back you. I'm like, okay, well, huh? I only have so much disposable income. If I'm going through, I haven't seen anything that I wanted to back until just now, or I say, hey, I'd like to try this. It feels like an odd barrier to Kickstarter entry that I that somebody wouldn't want to support you unless you've already supported X number of other people. Lord knows what that X number is, but you know when. When I look at what Peter and and Alex were asking us, I don't honestly, I'm more concerned about the delivery mechanism and the quality of those deliverables. So if they have done it before and I've got a history of it, I go, okay, cool. That's good. I'll check it out, see what's going on, look through what other people have said about past Kickstarters, how's the quality, was it on time, all that good stuff. Is it close to being on time? Because again, give or take, you're going to, you're going to miss something. Avalon wasn't hundred percent on the you know what sees every time we, you know, oh, move two weeks, but Phil does a great job keeping people updated. So, okay, great. And if it is a small one, I say, huh, Brett and Sean are going to do this thing. They've never done one before. Well, it looks like they may have supported a couple. That's kind of cool. They seem to know what they're talking about. Good video. Huh? What, again, what are their goals? If the goal is a PDF and a print on demand book. Okay. There's not a lot of overhead in that. There's not a lot of like, I'm going to have 5,000 copies sitting in my garage. I'm going to physically mail them all out. It's a print-on-demand through drive through Seems reasonable. And the price seems about right. Now it's 25 bucks. I'll get a soft cover, print-on-demand, a PDF, and all the stretch goals. Ah, I'm in. You know, when you start getting your first Kickstarter has Uber Ultra Mega Deluxe stuff, you know, Dragon hide bound with, you know, gold foil and, you know, silk, um, I don't know if I can, silk pages or whatever the hell it is you're doing, however crazy special you get, that starts to, to weird me out a little bit. I start to get worried. Like, are you overreaching? How the hell do you actually plan to deliver this thing when up front you said, I've never done this before, right? Or it's very, not maybe not in so many words, but in a number of other words, you're indicating that I've never done this before. I'm guessing my way through this because you can kind of read that. I'm very, I'm more concerned about that because once I'm hooked on the Kickstarter being like, wow, this is a thing I like. The rule system seems interesting. And sometimes like, oh, this is cool. Oh, it's a power by the apocalypse thing. I'm not a big PTA guy. Uh, maybe I'll check it out. Maybe I'll give him a dollar. Maybe I'll just go into the PDF level type of thing just to check it out, just to get something small. And I think, those levels are important to a lot of us for backing because I only have so much shelf space. I'm trying to purge the number of things I've got on my shelf. We've talked about this a number of times. If I can get the PDF for a reasonable cost, but like, oh, sure, I'll, I'll get a PDF. What's 15 bucks? What's 20 bucks? 25 bucks? Whatever the PDF happens to be, you know. But I, I, ha I believe sometimes that the more ostentatious, audacious, grandiose, stretch goals they may or may not have could be a sign that this uh that they're thinking too much about the stretch goals and what could be versus what they should be doing you know what i'm saying yeah brett do you know how many you backed shit no not offhand i should check you know don't you you just looked i backed 64 successful pledges oh nice got two that you back are, more than I have, I'm positive. There are two that are still underway, and then I had three fall-throughs. Okay. Three, three unsuccessful. So, Sean, are you looking at, when you look at a Kickstarter, someone says, hey, this looks like something you would like, Sean. You go, wow, look, it's another D&D &D game. Oh, it's another city setting. Oh, it's another... Same thing, Dark Trails, but with elves. Really? Really not? I mean, is there some... Are you poo-pooing, or I should say, are you steering away from game systems that are brand new? Are you steering only towards... Trying to answer, like, Peter and Alex's questions are... Are there certain components you're like, eh? Oh, it's a story game? I'm not a story gamer. Oh, it's an OSR thing? I don't want to buy that. 
is there any of those type of things that throw you off? Oh, sure. I mean, there are ones that I'm I'm simply not interested in. It would be uh-huh. no different than going to a game store, coming across it on the shelf, and going, yeah, you know, not not something for me. Yeah, your sales pitch is great, but uh, I've had people pitch me at cons go, wow, that sounds neat. And they look at you expectantly. It's not for me, though. Thank you. Bye. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, I appreciate the pitch, but it's not my thing. I've also I, backed things that are not role-playing game-based. Like? Uh, I've ba- I've backed a wallet. I've backed a uh, belt. I have a urban sling bag that I've backed. Oh, I see. I've backed something. It's not, uh, oh, uh, iPad, iPhone stand, two of those. I had a shirt that was stain and odor repellent. Got it. Pocket Mod, which is like a website that you basically fold paper and use it like a journal, but it's pre-printed. So it's printed on certain sides, and then when you fold it, it's a nice little booklet. Um, An LED that's the size of a three fifty seven bullet. Do you use that stuff? All that crap uh, you bought? Some of it. I mean, some of it's... Does that throw you off, though, when you buy a game? Let's let's go to gaming even, too. You know, you buy a cool thing. Oh, shit, take that out. Because there's plenty of gaming Chosky stuff out there, too. There's coins. Yeah. There are really cool bennies. There's dice. There are all sorts of um, RPG journals. I mean, tons and tons of shit out there that can be used for our gaming. If you get it and find you don't use it or don't enjoy that product once it lands, does that kind of color your perspective for the next thing you might look to kickstart? Like, huh, I bought four of those. I bought four Kickstarters, and I haven't, they're over there, gathering dust, never been played, never been used. Do I really need another set of dice? Does that that type of thing hit you? I mean, there's a few of my Kickstarters I'm looking through right now, and I've given those up. Like, like books, oh, cool. The... I get them, and I'm like, yep, they got to go. Yeah. I mean, I'm a lot of them, actually. So I had them for a while, realized I wasn't going to play them, and then I've I've given them up. Huh. Take them to go Noble Knight, said, hey. Is that, is that hard for you to do? Uh, a little bit. It depends on what it is, but it's not any – again, the thing with Kickstarter is that it was really – I mean, it was really designed – to be, hey, I got this idea. I want to get this idea off the ground. It's kind of baked, and you need funding. Yeah, not a pre-order system. It's not a pre-order system, which is totally what it is for a gaming sphere. And we, at GameholeCon one year, this was probably two, three years ago, had a guy from Forbes there. Oh, that, yeah. That was speaking at Game Crafter. Yes. I wanted to punch that guy. And he I, I remember said, that, I remember that guy. <laughs> he wanted to know what our thoughts were on why, I think it's, is it tabletop role-playing games or tabletop games? Board tabletop games, games and, in general. It was just yeah, everything in general. Were, were the percentage of ki- the kick, the amount of Kickstarters and the percentage of those being successfully funded were unlike any other Kickstarter on the platform. Yeah, I mean, I joke. I didn't necessarily want to punch the guy. He's a, he's a sales guy, and sales guys tend to get my hackles up sometimes, depending on how they behave. Um, but from his sales guy perspective, he's like, holy shit. This platform and that product, like, made in heaven. <laughs> I can't remember what we exactly said, but I think a lot of it comes to, it's the golden age of gaming. There's so much cool shit out there, and if you have a really cool idea, you now have a way to actually make it happen. And with the self-publishing tools, with print-on-demand, um, all this stuff that's available to you, making a lot of our products are paper. They're PDFs. They're the electronic paper or a physical piece of paper that you take to a table, right? It's not a computer, a car, um, a, a notebook. I shouldn't say a notebook. Um you know, a pen light or something. That, there's nothing mechanical, electronic about it in many cases. Anyway, it seems like it's just it's just words. You know, it's a game system, and gamers have been making and developing game systems ever since they got the first game in their hands. Went, oh, I could do this too. <laughs> we've, it's just the thing we've been doing. Now there's a platform where I could say, hey, I also have one. Would you like to see this? You know, 
But I guess the biggest thing for me when I decide to back or not to back, I don't have a checklist. So it's kind of, I was trying to think, do I actually have a list? And maybe I need to develop one just for my own sanity. But I look through it. And honestly, one of the things I, I do is I go, wow, this seems interesting. And I do not make my decision that day. I read it. I go, huh, how many days we got left? Okay, 100 days left, 20 days left, five days left. I have some time. I actually put a reminder on my calendar a couple days before it's over to check it out again. The reminder does two things. One, helps me remember, hey, don't forget to back this thing because you might really want it. And two, if that reminder comes up, I go, what the hell is that? Oh, yeah, that's a Kickstarter. What was that about again? I really don't care that much. Because usually by the time that reminder gets to me, if it's a game or a RPG thing I cared about, I've already been checking that Kickstarter out, researching it, talking to my friends who may or may not have backed it. What do you think about this, that, and the other thing? It's kind of, I need to have more than a day of, wow, that looks really cool before I hit boom support. I want to learn a little bit more about it. So maybe I waffle, <laughs> but I try to take my time with it because Otherwise, I'm going to have another book on my shelf that I got to sell to Noble Knight or give to one of my friends or trade for something else. And I don't have time for that shit anymore. I don't know why we haven't done one. Lazy? Could be lazy. Maybe it's lazy. Well, part, part of me is saying that tongue in cheek simply because I don't, I don't know if it's the thing to do. For, I mean, what would we do a Kickstarter? What would Brett oh. and Sean do a Kickstarter for? Well, Brett, I would probably put one up and I'd say that we need money for gear and... And then what patrons for? Uh, Well, you know, kind of, sure, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, some YouTubers do it. You, isn't that what YouTube's for? Yeah. I mean, if you're monetizing, and I know, I know there's, there's one some... out there right now that's got a lot of... I mean, it's, it's got a high dollar amount. Uh -huh. They do a lot of production, and they're big on YouTube. So part of me is, well, how much money are you making off of YouTube? You're not making enough to produce your show. So, But they have a big fan following, and they're, they're hitting their couple hundred thousand. The other thing that's interesting, though, is you'll have people who want to support you who want to support you via patron. Other people want to do your Kickstarter. Other people want to support you through YouTube. Other people want to support you through GoFundMe. Other people want to support you through Indiegogo. And with all the different platforms of how to support your creator or how to create and where to get support from it, sometimes people will be like, look, I won't Kickstart because I fucking hate Kickstarter. But tell you what, here's 50 bucks. Send me your, give me a book. There's a few there's a few Kickstarters I just don't understand how, why people go the Kickstarter route like RPG ones or just in general. Um there's a there's a couple. Okay. A few. You don't want you don't want to name names? Uh not You don't have to. You're not not really. Uh, I mean um, and it's nothing bad and I think it's it can it's this is goofy because it's always borderline you can inadvertently hurt somebody's feelings by saying I don't understand the Kickstarter approach. I don't know why the hell they're doing that doesn't mean we don't like these people and it also is no point to say brett i don't know what the fuck you're doing why are you doing that then <laughs> that's not going to get us anywhere so don't need to hurt people's feelings yeah no no and i i think that it makes sense on why they're doing it it's to raise money in advance it it, it totally is in some kickstarter scenarios it's merely we've got this thing we need the money now that's why we're doing a Kickstarter. It may or may not apply to you. So therefore, if it applies to you, please back us so we can have money, so we can do our thing that's already going to be happening. Yeah, I, th I think the, the amount of transparency you're seeing in the Kickstarter itself, either in the video, in the uh, verbal present, excuse me, in the word presentation where it says, hey, this is what we're doing. Here's how we're going to hold ourselves accountable. Here's what we're doing. Here's how many we've done, blah, 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 whatever. I hate to say it depends, but man, it really depends. Because some of this stuff, um, if I see a Kickstarter, I'm like, oh, this is run by X company. They were over a year late on me last time. I've only backed 18 of these things. Wow. 
you were over a year late. Um, no, I'll go buy it at the, I know this product is going to land. It will be a thing I can buy at a con. I can buy it online. I can you won't get, get it all the all the the Uber Uber pledge edition. Yeah. So I got rewards. See, so I got to see what those rewards are and go. Huh? Is it worth it to me? You know, I have a Kickstarter that I backed. I think two or three years ago, they still haven't delivered. He actually sent out a communication said, "I am not going to be able to deliver this, but I'm going to try to provide you with some options." Hey. And I'm like, that's okay, great. Hopefully. That's, I mean, that's better than some stories we well, hear. And it's not, we hear all sorts of horror stories. Yeah, it's not $100. But, well, so having said that, there are some that fly under the radar. They Kickstarter after Ken. What's his name? Slicky Boy Ken. Oh, Ken Whitman? Yeah. Yeah. He's done like two, three, and he's like a few hundred, you know, lots of, lots of thousands of dollars, and he's that guy just disappears. Far West, what is it, five years old now? Is it? I don't three, know. Three plus? I don't know. It's fucking ancient. Is it the one that, he, did he run that one? No, that was, I uh, can't remember. Somebody else? Was. Yeah, somebody else. But I think with Kickstarter, I mean, obviously a reputable company, a reputable person, maybe they've done one or two before. They've got their proverbial shit together and it seems like it's there. Their explanation of why they're using Kickstarter and what they need the funds for. I think all that plays a role. And sometimes that's conveyed through the video. It doesn't have to be a huge, awesome, great video, but I think it's just like marketing. It helps. Yeah. And some of it too is you've got a, you can see like 3D terrain or miniatures and whatever Dwarven Forge really kick ass stuff. It is kick ass, but it's outside of what I'm willing to pay on miniatures. And I have to I look at some of that extra stuff that's not a book, the extra RPG stuff out there. I'll pick on miniatures and terrain. It's interesting to me, but I know my gaming style, and I do not use it that often. If I spend hundred plus dollars or twenty five dollars, and some of those things like at the at the reward rates, excuse me, the reward levels you need to be at to make it actually worth your while can be very expensive. You see, my for me anyway. I'm like, yeah, no, no, and I, I from a dice. Some accessories and so forth. I'm like, it's gotta be really fucking cool, man. I mean, like, oh my god, I don't think I could ever find this anywhere else. But generally speaking, it's not that big. It, I mean, I'm more into rules and settings stuff than I am dice miniatures, dice towers, specialized character sheets, music, that type of stuff for RPGs. Yeah. Well, that's so when you look at a Kickstarter, that's the subjective part. Yeah, what, do you, what is it you like? Yeah, what do you what like do you, to spend what, your money on? Yeah, what do you like to buy? And that's one thing. But determining whether you should fund it on Kickstarter, well, obviously you got to have, it's got to appeal to you. Like, hey, here's Sean's toenails in a little vial yeah, of water. I'm not doing that. <laughs> if it was alcohol, maybe. Because I could do shots. Come on, man. Um, <laughs> but That's disgusting. The other thing is the cost. Like, what is my barrier to entry like am i gonna be spending 50 bucks for a pdf like you hinted at that brett or is it 10 bucks and you get all this stuff or whatever it is yeah and then some of that too you're like okay it's if it's a new rule system if i go into 25 dollars, i get the pdf and all the pdf stretch goals okay that's kind of cool i get enough stuff that i have a quote-unquote complete game now great i can give it a go and i could probably go get a print on demand later or something cool um but the newer the thing uh, excuse me not the newer the thing the newer the game system the newer the setting where it is i totally understand when like the streets of avalon one people are like huh i'll get the pdf because my first thing you know my first kickstarter sure i'm working with encoded but some people are like i don't know if i'm gonna be all in for a hardcover or a paperback or any kind of hard copy it totally makes sense to start with a pdf and I think if at the lowest um, reasonable level, whatever that is for you, if you can get enough of the product to say, oh, 25 bucks makes sense to me. Yeah, I'll have enough product I could play this game or at least read it and see if I want to take it any further after the Kickstarter's over. Yeah, you might miss out on the super ultra mega limited super signed edition, you know, whatever. 
soak it up. I wasn't going to spend $2,500 on a book anyway, over what some of those things cost. But I'm not afraid of new rule systems. Um, I'm not afraid of saying, oh, it's only an expansion of something I already have. <clears throat> that actually can be interesting to me. Oh, it's Astonishing Swordsman Sorcerer's Hyperborea. I, mi- I was not in on the last Kickstarter he had. Because like I have a bunch of it, like interesting. Nah, I don't need that one. I made a decision. Nah, I don't need that adventure set. I have plenty of cool stuff for for astonishing swords, but I'm good. I don't need anything right now. That one just didn't sing to me, so didn't back that one. But it, when I saw a creator's puts it, putting something out for a product line I enjoy, I go to it. Oh, someone tells me, hey, have you seen the latest one from, you know, Northwind Adventures, Jeff Slanian? Sure, let's go check that out. Eh, all right, fine. Yeah, you know what? I'm in. Eh, no, I'm not. But if it's a brand new rule system that I've never played before, like Cold Shadows we talked about, um, if Cold Shadows were to have kickstarted, it did, and someone brought it, I didn't know about it, but if it would have come to my attention, you know, there's a bajillion freaking Kickstarters, so it's hard to keep on top of all of them. But if someone would have said, hey, Sean, and you said, hey, Brent, I'm thinking of backing this, I'd be like, oh, what is that? I probably would have backed at the PDF level. I bought a copy of the PDF because, well, hey, why not? It's a reasonable price. It's a new system I've never played before or whatever. It looks looks like a good go. And they've got a reasonable timeline, and they're not trying to put out some ma- mammoth-ass book or something along those lines. And I got to say, the volume of stuff to be produced sometimes can be daunting. When this is a 1,000-page you know, tome, like Monday Cooks told us, or this is something else of equal size, like um, The Visible Sun, or even The Astonishing Swordsman, the book is gigantic. However, I also knew that he was basically taking the original stuff, adding more and more and more art, retooling it, but he had a lot of the stuff already done. So it made sense. Same with um, Dungeon Crawl Classics when they do that. The book is huge, but they already have the book. They're just improving it. But if someone were to say, I'm going to make a thousand page tome, really, really are, that, that, that can scare me off versus somebody like, hey, you know, it's hundred pages, 200 pages, whatever the case is. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I think what it comes down to is if I'm interested in it, I just want to determine what I'm willing to spend to get a taste of it. You know, I don't know. It's, it's so damn subjective, dude. Well, I think, but going back to, have they done one before? Has it been successful? Is it been delivered on time? Do they put out quality work? Yep. Is there a a cost of entry that makes economical sense to you? Um, some of those. And do you think? Points, and do you think you're going to use it? Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. It's goofy. It's goofy, but I think we to be a better, or at least for me anyway. You and I have talked about this to be a more savvy RPG consumer. Both of you and I are trying to look at stuff saying, am I really going to use this? Yeah. Nope. Put it back. Could be like that crazy guy, Forrester Gary, who's got like three games. Because <laughs> he doesn't buy any of them. He only buys what he uses. But PDFs are fun to collect because they're just all digital, babe. And you just throw them out there. They're on your backup drive or wherever it is you stash them and you got them. And they're usually not that expensive to get a PDF-only copy of something. Yeah. And sometimes you look at a Kickstarter like, wow, I should back that. I'm not sure if I'm going to use it. Oh, geez. Oh, geez. Wait a minute. It's funded 200%. It's got five days left to go. I will be able to buy a PDF of this somewhere else. I will be able to get this game somewhere. It is popular. It will be on drive-thru. Um, Matt Colville's store will sell it. Monday Cook's store will sell it. Goodman Game Store will sell it. It will sell this product somewhere. It may not be in the glorious... Uber, dragon hide, leather, you know, that I could have gotten on the Kickstarter, but whatever. I wasn't going to spend $800 on a hardcover book anyway. Let's just do this. That's not a bad way to go either. Some of the Kickstarters, the more simplistic they are, the better they are. Like Todd Crapper and Christopher Gray and those guys, you know, let's not complicate things. You know, even... Even that one, uh, Streets of Arvalon yeah. or something. That one was like pretty. We tried to keep it pretty. Yeah, we tried to keep it straightforward as we could and priced within a point that made sense. And you said we sat down, had the brainstorming session of, "Wow, what could we do for what could we do for goals?" 
And we came up with some wacky ass shit like, boy, it'd be really cool to do like a leather bound book. Wow, that's kind of. And you kind of investigate what it costs. Like, oh no, 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 no. That's just silly talk right now. Maybe years later. Funny, funny. And like I said, when you see the, when you look at that stuff and like, oh, it's simple, it's direct. And sometimes that's almost like a weird detriment. Some people, I got feedback like I didn't have enough levels. There wasn't enough crazy-ass stretch goals. How come you only had so many versions of this level or only so many versions of that level? Our answer between Encode and I was always, we want to make sure we can deliver it. Well, you you thin your shit out, man. Every freaking, I say bones, motherfucker. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if I come through and say, hey, um, I, you know, there was... Brett runs a game for you. If I'd had 16 of those, we sat down and talked about it. And Phil looked me in the eye over over Google and said, how many can you actually schedule? Yeah. How many can you do in six months? Think about it. And, we, and I said, yeah, you're right. Uh, day job, I got shit to do. So I only do a thousand. Come so let's You'd bake <laughs> a shitty tour band, Brett. <laughs> I know I would. What the hell, but, man? But that's, again, you know, you try to keep it within reason. And that's the other it's almost a damned if you do, damned if you don't in some ways. But I think the savvy consumer knows. They'll kind of go, huh, that's probably all they think they can pull off. Ah, it'd be great if they could make 16 more of those, but, you know, probably can't. Takes time. Anyway, so Peter and Alex, I don't know if we answered your question there or not, but I think there's really nothing that I honestly, uh, how do I say this? Sean, is it fair to say that you and I have a similar view that it comes down more to the people on the project versus what the project is? Because if the project itself is interesting, assume it's interesting and that you can afford it, it, it comes down to who's supposed to be delivering it and do you trust them? Well, there's a lot of backed projects that I have on Kickstarter that I didn't know who they were. Really? Yeah. I, I didn't crazy. I don't You crazy bastard. Steve Jackson's got car wars. I'm not backing it. And it's Steve Jackson. There's plenty of Monty Cook backstarters. Didn't back him. But Fair enough. Okay. I got Cold Shadows, Gallant Night Games, backed him. Todd Crapper, Broken Ruler Games, backed yeah. him. Yeah, Christopher hear you. Gray, I hear you. backed him. I mean, well, Christopher Gray and Todd, I mean, they're they're listeners of the show. They support us. So I do it, you know, to support them. Um and to under like I like their product and I like what they put out like Third Eyed Games right oh yeah Pip System stuff yeah yep. I mean we know Alloy but um but there's some that you know I've I've got money chucked at I mean the guys that did uh, the Mothership module I don't know those guys from a hole in the ground true true you know um so it's not get- always people that or publishing houses that I. Is it one of those things that where you threw two hundred dollars at it and said, "God, I hope that works"? Or you, you're more. I'm not going to ask you how much you spent. That's rude. I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't care. What? What do you want to know? I'm, I'm no. I'm just book. saying. Do you have? Is there a? If I don't know who, I back Cold Shadows. No idea who they are. I'll just get the PDF. Or did you say, "Fuck it, I'm fifty dollars in. I'm going all in." Did you? Do you just go all in type of thing or what? Well, it depends on what the game is, and I think what that cost is and what you get out of it. And if it's something that I don't even know why I spent a lot of money on cold shadows. Cause I think I got the, one of the got higher like levels. Copies. Yeah. I got, got like two copies. I got the specialized copy that came with like a black fall leather, silver etched or silver inlay title. Yep. And then I got a regular copy PDF stretch goals. Um, I mean, I, the, the one I spent the most money on, was my buddy Jason Blair, Streets of Bedlam. Oh, that's right. And uh, I got everything from him, and there were, I got a I got my own character in the setting, and so, but he he was a combination of both. Like he was a tried and true developer and designer. I knew he'd deliver. Well, mm-hmm. at least I hoped he would, and I knew him personally. Not even just oh, I know Monty P- Cook Games. Like I know Jason. I hear you. So, but otherwise, it depends on what, like financially where I am in life and what the game is, who it's, so a lot of everything we've talked about, then I would say if a lot of those hit up on the upper level of one to 10 on the 10 scale, 
yeah. then I don't have a problem going up quite a few levels and springing a few bucks. But most of the times, it's more in the middle. I mean, Savage Worlds one I got in pretty deep, but that was like a whole kit. Yeah, yeah. You know every th- and then the stretch goals were like every Savage Worlds product on PDF. Holy shit! Boom ever like. You know, I'm like, all right, that seems reasonable because I'll get the new edition. I'm now drowning in Savage Worlds. And I got everything for Savage Worlds in PDF, and I think it was. Um, but so, you know, there's times where I'm pretty – I mean, it's Cold Shadows. I spent 75 bucks. Not bad. Yeah, I mean, Savage Worlds – actually, Savage Worlds Adventure Edition was the highest I've ever paid for a Kickstarter. But I got every. You ever got every goddamn thing? Every Savage Worlds PDF by Pinnacle. I have been. See, the cool thing for you in that case is that if I were a Savage Worlds fan, like I love that game and I played a lot and I knew I would get a lot of use out of it and be like, wow, boom, all that stuff. Yeah. I know the stuff I'm backing for um, uh, Matt Colville's stuff, Kingdoms and Warfare, and, and, you know, which, which is his latest one. And the Strongholds of Streaming, the first one you did, it made sense to me because I like that stuff and I'm going to use it. What I'm getting at there is like when I backed Invisible Sun, I got caught up in, probably caught up in hype and like, okay, cool, I'm going to do this, going to do this. And then eventually I'm like, ah, that's not for me. Moved it out. Oh, shit. Stupid. I kind of feel like an idiot. But, you know, it happens. And sometimes investments fail. You're like, oh, I thought this was going to be cool. Turns out it isn't what I wanted it to be. It doesn't mean it's not cool. Just not for me push it out the door type of thing and i think depending where you are and it doesn't mean that sean and i have like tons of expendable change i've still got five kids and job and cars and houses to pay for and stuff there's plenty of plenty of stuff i can spend my money on but i think a lot of it comes down to are you are you convinced that you're going to get what you're what you're really looking for and um the more audacious the project more ambitious the project, the more risk, quite frankly. And I look at that stuff and decide, am I a few of the ones, like I said, that I that I got bid on were the ones that were fairly audacious, ambitious, and failed to deliver in what I consider on time, on spec and on budget, right? And I try my best now when I look at that stuff to say, am I in it? Am I do I would I be willing to forego a timely delivery of a product, especially? Would I be willing to forego that because I want this so bad, I'll wait an extra year for it to be delivered? And uh, sometimes I'm like, yeah, but nine times out of ten, no, I can't. And that's why, like I said, with my Avalon one, we tried to make it so that, you know what, it's going to be within this time frame. We got product, we'll release, da, 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 da. And um, if it's reasonable, then... At least reasonable to me, it's easier to go for. So, man, I don't know. I don't know if we answered this at all, Peter and Alex. Let us know. And uh, the rest of our listeners, obviously, you folks will know that we did our usual thing, rambled around it a bit. But it's it's so hard, in my opinion, to pick stuff and tell somebody, oh, that you sh- you need to- this is a good one to back because it's so goddamn individual. Well, it really is. A good Kickstarter to back. I mean, if you don't want the product, it's not a good Kickstarter for you. Yeah. So you oh, got to have the, the initial thing is, is the product and what they want to provide you appeal to you? And then the rest of the criteria falls into play. Yeah. Really does. Because we could go, that's a great Kickstarter. Everybody should support it. And people will be like, I don't, I don't play fate. Yeah, and it's <laughs> I think what's interesting is I think sometimes as gamers it's it's hard to say I didn't I didn't back that because it's not my jam. Right. Sometimes we feel bad. Especially when it's a friend or it's an indie publisher or it's somebody like, "Oh, you know, I just that wasn't my jam." Matt Forbeck, that guy backs a lot of kickstarters, but I think he gives like a dollar here, a dollar there. Like he's backed yep. 329 ba- uh kickstarters. Yep. But he knows a lot of the people that are doing them. So he's yeah, he going to, you know, hey, does he need like a copy of all 329 Kickstarters? Hell no. He's, yeah. Sometimes you like to get the updates, you know. Yeah, yeah. So it's really up to you. So if you, 
you like if we're going to do one, you just want to kick us a buck and you won't get my toenails and water. I mean, that's cool. That's cool. Totally cool. Right. So yeah. You're showing your support. Less work for me because he makes me clip them. That's right. All right. Yeah, man. All right, folks. Let us know what you all think about Kickstarters. Do you have any hard and fast rules? Because quite frankly, if, if somebody's got some, like, hey, I've done this and it has never failed me, or you've done X and it's helped preserve your sanity and uh, wallet safety, let us know. Because uh, we're talking about long-term investments in gaming when we talk about this stuff. So eh, let us know what you got. Let's move on. Die roll. Die roll. 2D4 miscellaneous points, game and a geekery. We want to bring with you, speaking of Kickstarters, Monty yeah, Cook Games announces Tolus for 5e and the Cypher system. So now my copy of Tolus is just, the value of that is just tanked. Well, the nice thing is, is I, already have a, I already have a city system. So if you'd like, I could sell you mine. I have yours. Oh, that's right. <laughs> it is mine's, thinner it, than Tolus. Yeah, mine's cheaper and easier to uh, easier to digest. Fair. So, anyways, that's coming. Uh, look for a Kickstarter coming. I don't. Know I whenever. never. I I have to say, I was like, huh. I didn't think they'd ever do that. I don't know why I thought that, but somewhere in my head, oh, Monty's, I thought, oh, you know, he's got to make money. Oh, I get it. Yeah. I get it. But I, I look at it. Christ, it's a no-brainer. You know why? All he has to do is futz with the mechanic pages. Yeah. Recompile it, throw it out to a printer, and send it out to the masses. This is the wonderful Kickstarter, as I just talked about. I have the book. I just need to change the rules. This is the DCC Let's Launch Another Kickstarter with a Different Cover Kickstarter. Yeah. And all the DCC people buy it all. Of course. And then a few years later, they do another one with a different cover. Hey, why not, man? And there's DCC people that have like all of them five sets of rule books with different covers. I don't know, it's crazy, but cool, whatever. All right. Uh, second one, Bruce C on the forums recommends Thirty Days of World Building by Angelina Trevina. So this is one of his uh, books that. He would recommend that is system agnostic. Oh, cool! So I thought, hey, this is kind of a cool book. Ten dollar paperback, four dollar Kindle, nice. So there you go. Thanks, thank Bruce, you, Bruce, baby. And then the last one I found at the eleventh hour was sixty one page adventures. Are they D and D bait? Are they D and D bait? I think it's. I think it's D and D. Yeah, but I'm like, ah, it's pretty good. One page adventures. There you go. There's the cool about one page adventures, if nothing else, for inspiration perspective, when we talk about, you know, almost system agnostic, if you will. Boom, one page adventure. Read that thing. What could you do with it? Make this a star event. Make this a Star Frontiers adventure. Make this a Star Trek adventure. Make this a, you know, Gamma World something. Make it whatever. It, those things can be indispensable. It's a good well, That's like the um, engine publishing. Yep. 101 plot points or something like that. But um, yeah. So that's it for a die roll that I have this week. Cool, man. What are we talking about next week, Brad? Next week, we're going to talk about Astonishing Swordsman and Sorcerer's Viper Borea. We should have Tim Deshane on. So. That guy better sound like smooth molasses. He's going to sound like East Coast gold, man. I know. I just He says he's got a microphone. He better have one. I don't want to be edit some crappy shit, Deshane. <laughs> That'd be kind of funny if he doesn't. Shows up, he with, he shows up with earbuds and a little throat mic. Uh, is this bad? Why is this bad? We've had guests on here that have done that. They've even done podcasting. Aloy, I love you, man. But, dude, you got to ditch the freaking earbuds <laughs> when you're a guest on a show. It was my fault. I should have said something. Funny, funny. All right, Anyways, man. yeah, Tim Deshane will be a treat. I hope so. He's going to deadlift this podcast. That's that, what he's going to do. That's what I'm afraid of. He'll just, he'll just flex and I'll, I'll be like, I don't know if I agree with you. And he'll just... It'll just flex at me, and I'll just keel right over. It's got a Brazilian jiu-jitsu, our asses. Yeah. Uh, I'm a stand-up fighter. I don't like going down on the ground like that. Anyway. <laughs> All right. I think that's it, man. All right. Let's get out of here. All right. Well, hey, thanks for listening, uh, you. Uh, I'm Sean. And I'm Brass. Good night. Good game and all. This episode of Gaming and BS brought to you with the help from the following BSers. Graham Miner, Corey Wynn, Hawk Sparrow, 
Aaron Aurelia, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Tur- Curtis Takahashi, Joe Swick, Larry Hout, Mark DeSaka, Pure Mongrel, Chris Steele, Ron Bishop, Thomas Hook, Wayne Humphrey, Craig, Brandon Barnes, Laramie Wall, Dan LaValle, Jason Hobbs, Sky, Old School DM, Perry Besor, Michael Dinos, Jim Fitzpatrick, Christopher Gray, Bruce Cunnington, John Kayward, Corey Gonzalez, Eileen Barnes, Robert Nemeth, Niall Diamond, Howard Bishop, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Eric Salzwedo, The Closet Gamer, Jeff Goad, Aaron Coleman, Ray Otis, C.W. Mellencamp, Craig Huber, Rich Wishon, Old Scouser Roleplaying, Jared Rasher, Andy Hall, David F. Baylog, Harrigan, Melissa Bashinsky, Brian Rumble, Henry Newcomb, Eric Talvola, Hus Carl, Roger Brasslett, Mark Soam, Andy Olson, Eric Avia, Ron Blessing, Jeff Seifert, Ghost GM, Mike Hess Jr., Chad Glayman, Finolf, Josh Wallace, and Mirko Froelich. For ways to support the show, head over to gamingnbs.com forward slash support dash us. Thanks, BSers. This, this has, has been, been a Litterbox, Litterbox Studio, Studio production. production.